Today and uh, we're thankful that uh, you're here. And I know that you're all gearing up for Christmas. Um, don't stress yourselves too much. I know many of you are already stressing yourselves out because probably your Shopee orders haven't haven't yet arrived. Um, that that Chris, Christmas is not just for December 20, 25. Christmas, if you're a Christian, should be every day. So we could give, give gifts every day. We could offer prayers to someone every day. So we could, uh, if we don't receive uh, gifts for this Christmas, don't worry, there will be January 1, January 2, September 5, December 14, August 11, whatever. Every day is a Christmas day for Christians. Do you believe that? Oh, so pwedeng magbigay ng regalo kahit hindi Pasko. So wag magmadali, wag magmadali sa online shopping. But, but this is a problem. Every year we say, you know, Christmas is not about uh, giving gifts. But we all fall into that trap, to the same cycle that we, oh, we're so stressed uh, giving gifts. So don't do that. I say that because today I want us to focus our study about this message. And this message is one forgotten doctrinal truth. One forgotten or glossed over, if not ignored, doctrinal truth surrounding Christmas. And I refer to incarnation. And we will discuss that today. So, we want, I want you to discover and we, I, we will discover together what incarnation is all about. And of course, as our, the basis of our text today, I will be reading from the gospel according to St. John, chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. And may I request the congregation to please stand. And read silently with me, because you're not allowed to open your um, mouth. So read silently with me, John chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. And I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. John chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not, not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace 
upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. May the Lord be worshipped and praised by the reading of His Word. Let us come to the Lord in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for today. We want to thank you for giving us this opportunity to study your word. And Lord, today open our hearts, illumine our souls, so that we may know your truth and apply them in our lives. Be with your people today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's all be seated. Before I start, I will have to connect again the airplay. These are uh, technical matters that happen every Sunday, whenever I'm around. <laughs> All right. All right. I think you're hearing. We're, we're done. Pardon us for these technical glitches. It, it happens all the time, whenever I'm here. I hope you're not sabotaging me. Huh? <laughs> I'm just joking. I've discussed and I've said a while ago that uh, we, we want to journey with this uh, topic and with this message about this often glossed over, often forgotten doctrinal truth surrounding Christmas, and that is incarnation. And we will discuss what incarnation is all about. Now, let me just tell you a story. A few years ago, I was having lunch with a Christian friend. In fact, he's not just a friend. He's a Christian leader of his own denomination in his own country. So he's kind of a big leader, I would say. And he's not just uh, a lonely creature like me. Um, he's somehow well-known in the ecumenical circles. So I already knew that he's liberal in his theology. So um, over lunch, we're discussing good things about our plans for Christmas here and there. And um, so it was a nice lunch in a posh restaurant. And in, in, in the midst of discussion, he told me, you know, Ray, what I love about Jesus. And hearing that, my ears got bigger. I said, hmm, so he's interested now with Jesus. And by the way, this is a pastor. And he said, oh, yeah. So what makes Jesus interesting to you now? I said. I said, you know what makes Jesus, why, why, what, what I love about Jesus is that he's like us. I said, hmm, now my eyes got bigger this time. Because I think he's believing what incarnation and dual nature of Jesus is all about. So I said, oh yeah, I know that, I said. Because Jesus is a human being like us. I said, hmm, I know that. I've read it from the Bible. He's like us, Ray, because, you know, this all this nonsense thing about the virgin birth and all of this, these are all not true. And I suddenly gasped. I said, ah, uh, all right. And I said, you know, this historical nonsense was just, you know, put up and invented by the apostles to make Jesus' birth dramatic. What happened to Mary, according to this friend of mine, he said, what happened to Mary was Joseph was jacketed. I said, what is jacketed? You know, there was somebody who slept before Joseph, and Mary wanted to cover that up and said, I had a virgin conception. 
So I said, all right. And so, and so he was not born of a virgin. So Mary wasn't a virgin. I said, okay. And so I asked him, so how did he become the son of God? As, and he told me when he was baptized, he was adopted. I wasn't able to finish my dessert. <laughs> I already knew that he's very liberal, but hearing it from him, he's not a lowly creature like me, by the way, I've told you. He's a leader of his church, the entire denomination. Could you imagine that? And I suddenly turned into a marble stone. This is the problem, my dear friends. We celebrate Christmas, but we may not be able to fully realize and recognize the truth surrounding it. And today, we will be discussing the incarnation of God. And with our brief time together, we will be discussing these two things. Number one, what is incarnation? And we will define that. And I want you to be with me because that would be a bit draggy for you perhaps when we define the historical context and this doctrinal truth about incarnation. We will define incarnation and what it is not. What is incarnation and what it is not. And if we know and we've defined incarnation, we should ask this question, what are the effects of embracing this truth? What is it to me? And so what after I've known incarnation? After I've learned the concept of this or this truth of incarnation, if I have to embrace the truth of incarnation, what effect does it bring to my life? So these two things. I will first ask you this question. How many of you have heard the word incarnation in your Christian life? Raise your hand. You've heard it. And you can explain it. Okay, you've never heard it and you don't know whether you can eat it or not. Hindi ito yung nilalagay sa halo-halo, ah. Okay, Christmas is about the incarnation of God. Siguro we don't have any right to celebrate Christmas if we don't know what incarnation is all about. But don't worry, bear with me, we will tackle what incarnation is all about, what it is not, and what are the effects of embracing this truth about the incarnation. I hope you'll be ready today. So, let me go first. What is incarnation? Incarnation came from the Latin word incarnare. Kasi si Pastor Roy, may sa Greek, di ba? O ako, akin na lang yung Latin. The word incarnate, if you're a Filipino, you'll be able to discern it very quickly or be able to decipher this. Incarnare sounds like carne. What is carne? Laman, flesh. Very good. Yeah, that's true. Incarnare, and you add the suffix in, carne or flesh, into the flesh or becoming flesh. So see, that's why Latin is easy, easier than Greek. Oh, so, incarnate. So, then the English word, incarnation, into the flesh. Incarnation, my dear friends, is central truth in Christianity. God became flesh. The Word of God, we've read from uh, John chapter 1. The Word who is God became flesh and dwelt among us. And this happened in the glorious mystery of virgin birth. So, it's not true that Joseph was jacketed. There is indeed a virgin birth. The conception of Jesus was not of human means. And you know how a baby is being born and you know how 
a baby is formed inside the womb, right? But here, it's not. Jesus was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, this truth, this incarnation is an earth-shattering truth. This truth of incarnation, my dear friends, my brothers and sisters, is life-changing. If we truly understand what incarnation is all about and its effects in our lives and the beauty surrounding this beautiful doctrine, it would lead us to love God. It would lead us to be at all at God. It would lead us to the fear of God. Could you remember what we've discussed about the fear of God? If we truly understand what incarnation is all about, the problem is this. We don't know it. Or if we know it, we don't believe it, like my liberal theologian friend. Incarnation is not an invention of the apostles to make the birth of Jesus Christ dramatic. It is truly biblical. And let me quote you this verse. Perhaps my friend never read this. Colossians 1.19, it says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And if we will just focus again on Colossians 2.9, it says there, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. I don't know if you could go any clearer than that. The fullness of deity dwells bodily. Now, this is the Christian historic formula. And I'll present it to you. Jesus is truly God and truly man in one person. This is the historic Christian belief and this is the historic Christian confession of the Christian church. Jesus is truly God and truly man in one person. If you are in your homes together with your children and boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, let us read it all together. Let us read that. This historic Christian creed. Okay, let's read. Jesus. Parang ayaw niyo yung katotohanan na yon. Okay, let's read that. Let's read that with conviction. Jesus is truly God and truly man in one person. Now, this is the truth. But you know, this truth didn't happen very easily because in the history of the church, and we will be setting what incarnation is not, because this is what incarnation, the dual nature of Jesus Christ is. Jesus is truly God and truly man in one person. But of course, in the history of the church, there are inadequate views of the person of Jesus Christ, countering this statement, earlier statement that we have read. There are inadequate views, heretical views about the person of Christ. I will introduce you to our three former friends. Tatlong kumparing natin. Kumparing Apolonio, kumparing Nestor, at kumparing Yutiko. These three gentlemen I will introduce you today are those people who propagated and preached an inadequate view of person of Jesus Christ. So let's start with our first kumpare. Handa na ba kayo? Hindi ko pa pangalan ng anak ko, by the way, ng pangalan ito. The first is Apollinarius. And of course, he is the bishop in Laodicea. And I've coined only this term. He propagated this fraction heresy. Half-half. He believed... Si Apollinarius believed that Jesus has a human body, but not, of, that not, not fully human. He has no human mind. 
and nor human emotions, nor human souls. So meaning, what he's saying is that Jesus is half-half or a quarter of a human only. He took only a human shell. He is not truly man and not truly God. Or perhaps, he's not truly man in contradiction to this truth. So yun ang paniniwala ni Apollinarius. So I coined that the fraction heresy. And of course, from Apollinarius, para siya magiging movement, Apollinarianism. Pero dito na lang tayo kikumpare muna kay Apollinarius. So that's one. And I'll show to you the graphic illustration of that. So you see the deity, it's uh, separated from the humanity of Christ, and it's just half. Not truly, fully human, not truly, fully God. Yan ang paniniwala ng kumpare nyo. Sino? Pangalan? Si Apollinarius. Okay, may pangalawa tayong kumpare. Si Nestor. Timang Nestor. Nestor, or Nestorius, is a bishop of Constantinople in AD 428. Again, I coined this term. For Nestor, there's a split personality heresy. According to Nestorius, Jesus has two distinct personalities. Yeah, he is God and he is man, but they are not in one person. Jesus has split personality. There's a sense of confusion in the person of Jesus. Sabi ni Nestorius, may split personality si Jesus Christ. Kay Apol- Apollinarius, half-half, one-fourth, part only. Sa kanya naman, split si comparing Nestor. And if we have to show that in graphic terms, ayan, Deity and humanity, but they're not into one person. Alright. May pangatlo pa, hindi pa sila nagsawa. The, the third one would be our third kumpare, Eutychus. Or Eutychus. For Eutychus, or Eutychianism, or Monophyticism naman ang tawag na. Pero let's just stick with the name. It's easier to remember. And again, this is my coin term. He espoused the idea of a hybrid heresy. Eutychus being a monastery abbot or leader of the monastery in Constantinople. Ang daming mga heretic dun sa Constantinople that time. For Eutychus, Jesus' nature was taken up into being absorbed by his divine nature. Resulted into a third kind of nature. Hybrid si Jesus. Kay Apollonarius, half-half, one-fourth. Part only. Kay Nestorius, split. Hindi one. Hindi into one. Hindi dual nature into one. Split talaga. Dito si Eutychus, a hybrid. A plus B equals C. Yan ang mga views. This is what incarnation and the dual nature of Jesus is, is not and are not. So, I hope you remember that. These three compares of yours. What are the names of your compares? Apollinarius, Nestorius, and Eutychus. Alright. And if I will have to show you the graphic terms of that, if we could just show that on the screen, this is what Eutychus believes. That the deity of Jesus Christ and his humanity are not into one person, and it created a third person, uh, and it went into a hybrid creature. But you don't have to worry, my dear friends, because 
our lolos and lolas, while you have comparison the three heretics, you have lolos and lolas in Chalcedon. And in AD 451, the Council of Chalcedon met and they defined what the nature of Jesus Christ is all about. And so the Council of Chalcedon meet and they produce the Chalcedonian Creed. And they debunk these three views of these three heretics. Yung tatlong kumpare natin, hindi na natin friend ngayon. Sinestorius, Apollinarius, and Eutychus. What they're saying in the Council of Chalcedon is this. Jesus is not a split personality. Jesus has, is no hybrid creature. And Jesus is no half-half-one-fourth human being. Jesus, in the Chalcedonian definition, Jesus is truly God and truly man in one person. That is the Council of Chalcedon how they define Jesus in that Council of Chalcedon. So, salamat na lang sa ating mga lolo at lola sa Council of Chalcedon. Now, I painstakingly explain this to you because you have to understand what incarnation is all about and what it is not. Because if you will study carefully this truth, this Nestorianism, you can Nestor, kay Apollinarius, at kay Eutychus, these are beliefs that are still being propagated until this very moment. Iba nga lang siya ng It's a different thing, but it's the same concept. And we should be wary about it. If we want to embrace the truth about Jesus, we should know this. So, I hope uh, you are with me when I painstakingly explain this to you. Now, let me just quote to you the Chalcedonian Creed. Narinig niyo po ba yung Chalcedon Creed? First time. Oh, there's always a first time. I'll introduce you the Chalcedon Creed. Now, each of these debunked or denied what these three individuals have confessed. First, the Chalcedon Creed said, Lord Jesus, the same perfect in Godhead and also perfect in manhood. Truly God, truly man. So, that's debunking what Apollinarius is saying that he is only half-half, one-fourth. Truly God and truly man. Of reasonable soul and body, co-essential with the Father according to the Godhead and co-substantial with us according to manhood. Okay. Then, they also debunk our, another friend of ours, Eutychus. The Chalcedon uh, said that one and the same Christ, Son, Lord, only begotten to be acknowledged in two natures. Hindi hybrid. Hindi third person. Hindi humanoid si Jesus. Hindi. Two natures, inconfusedly, hindi pwedeng malito. Unchangeably, hindi pwedeng ipagpalit. Indivisibly, hindi pwedeng hatiin. Inseparately, hindi pwedeng paghiwalayin. The distinction of these two natures being truly man and truly God, being by no means taken away by that union, and there's a theological term, but rather the property of each nature being preserved. So Jesus is truly God and he is truly man. That is the creed. And of course, it now debunks what Nestorius said, saying that there are two split personality. The Chalcedon Creed says this, concurring in how many person? Two split personality? No. One person, one subsistence, not parted or divided into two person, but one and the same son, 
only begotten God, the Word, the Lord Jesus Christ. I've explained that very carefully because you could never embrace this truth without truly understanding what it is not. Many of us believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, but have we truly understood that He is also truly man? And there's a reason behind that. Our redemption in the plan of God may not be possible in His wisdom if God did not partake the human nature. You know why? Because He became our substitution. Substitutionary death will not happen if Jesus did not partake of that flesh. That is very important. So, if we will focus on that, Jesus is truly God and truly man in one person. And let me just probably show you the uh, graphic presentation of that. This is from Wayne Grudem, Bible Doctrine. So, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the triune God, the Trinity. Do you know what Trinity is? Amen? Okay, salamat. Hindi ako kinakabahan. Kasi kung di kayo naniniwala dito, I'll be in big trouble. So the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the Son has a divine nature. And Jesus also has a human nature. Not two personalities, still in one, but one person. Two natures in one person. Not to be confused, not indivisible, not separated. One. So, may human nature siya, may divine nature. Because, Colossians says, fullness of God was pleased to dwell, the fullness of deity dwells bodily. So, my dear friends, the word, Jesus becoming flesh, is one of the most profound truths in Christianity. It is glorious reality more than the creation or creation of the world itself. The act of God to partake the form and likeness of men is the greatest act of humility in the entire history of the universe. John uh, Wesley, in my favorite hymn, Amazing Love, How Can It Be That Thou, My God, Shouldst Die For Me? And so, if this truth, the incarnation, the Word becoming flesh, God becoming flesh, if this truth is so profound, could you imagine God becoming flesh? The word becoming flesh is so profound. And at the heart of Christianity, more glorious than creation itself. And if this truth is truly earth-shattering, this doctrine, this theology should bring us to something. If I will embrace the truth about incarnation, what I've just discussed a while ago when you went with me with these things, if I will embrace that truth, what should the knowledge of incarnation bring me? What should the knowledge of incarnation bring us? Where? So I will use the word heart because I've said that the truth of incarnation is at the heart of Christianity. What should the knowledge of incarnation bring us? The truth of incarnation, and this is where our doctrine, our, our theology meets our practical life. The doctrine or the truth of incarnation teaches us, first and foremost, humility. In Philippians 2, 5, 9, it says, Have this mind among yourselves, which yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, 
Ipabasa nito sa inyong mga friends na hindi na naniniwala na si Jesus ay Diyos. Ang liwanag, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in the human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Why would Jesus, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity in His glorious throne, will leave His throne just to die for you and me? Isn't that the most humbling act in the entire history of the universe? Do you agree? So, the truth of incarnation should teach us humility. Kung ang Diyos nga ginawa yun, dapat siguro wag din tayong ganong magyabang. The truth of that incarnation should teach us to humility. The second uh, fact is that the truth of incarnation should teach us humility and it should also lead us to empathy. What is empathy? Empathy means to put yourself into someone else's shoes. Diba? Yun ang empathy. And Jesus Christ exemplified that. If we will read Hebrews 4, 14 to 15, it says, Since then we have a great high priest who was passed through the heavens, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable, unable to sympathize with our, with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. You could not say to Jesus, Lord, you do not understand what I feel. Hindi mo ko naintindihan, Lord. Sabi ni Lord, sino may sabi sa'yo? I am truly God. I am also truly man. Jesus knew what it means to feel pain. Jesus understood what it means to be betrayed, to be heartbroken. Jesus understood what it means for a dear loved one to die. He understands that. Let us not forget that. And because there is truth of incarnation, it brings us and it leads us to empathy. Because Jesus himself understands us. That's the beauty of this doctrine. It leads you to empathize. And let me just read to you Hebrews 2 verses 17 18. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers and sisters. Meaning, Jesus Christ had to be made like you and me. In every respect, in every respect, do you feel pain? Do you feel hurt? Have you been disappointed? Have you been betrayed? Did you experience death in the family? Did you experience probably um, the world crashing down on you? Jesus knew about that because he was made like you and me in every respect. Why? What's the reason? So that he might be merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make a sacrifice of atonement. That's the beauty of in- incarnation. To make a sacrifice of atonement for sins of the people because he himself was tested by what he suffered. He is able to help those who are being tested. Are you struggling with sin? Jesus is the perfect man to tell you it is possible to win over the battles in sin. Your battles and struggles of that sin, you will be able, because Jesus himself said, uh, being the perfect man, he is the perfect example 
He was also tempted. Remember? He was tempted by the devil, but he was able to overcome it. He understands us. He was able to empathize with us. Another is the truth of incarnation should inspire us to give our adoration to God. In Philippians 2, 10, it says, Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus Christ every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If there is also one truth that should bring us whenever we remember, whenever we study and embrace the truth about incarnation is that this incarnation should always inspire us to adore, praise God. Could you imagine a God humbling himself for you and for me? And of course, if there's another thing, as we will be completing this acronym, the truth of incarnation reminds us of our redemption. I've said a while ago, in the plan of God, He intended to have a substitutionary that He needs to satisfy His own wrath. And so there must be a sacrifice so that wrath will be satisfied. And He sent His only begotten Son who took our punishment. That's the truth behind incarnation. And that reminds us of our redemption. John 1.36 When John saw Jesus, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And we know in the Bible, the use of the word the Lamb of God is a sacrificial offering. And of course, we know this. John 3.16, our favorite memory verse. And I hope this is not the only memory verse we have memorized. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God sent His Son. And how did God send His Son? Through the incarnation. The word becoming flesh. The incarnation should remind us of our redemption. And lastly, the truth of incarnation should cause us to trust God. Let's consider this verse in 1 John 5.19-12. If we receive human testimony... The testimony of God is greater, for this is the testimony of God that He has testified to His Son. Who is His Son? Jesus Christ. And I've said that the incarnation should remind us to, should cause us to trust God. Because it says here that those who believe in the Son of God, those who believe in the Son of God have a testimony in their hearts. Those who do not believe in God had made him a liar by not believing in the testimony that God has given concerning his son. And what is that testimony? This is the testimony. If you believe this, God gave us eternal life. And where can you find that eternal life? 
This life is in His Son. And that was made possible through and via the incarnation. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. And I continue in 1 John 5.20, very clear. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true, who is true. And we are Him who is true. In His Son, Jesus Christ. Pinalangalanan na ko sino ang katotohanan. Ang katotohanan ay si Jesus. Ato ang sabi, tell this to your friends who don't believe that Jesus is God. The Bible says, He is the true God and eternal life. Indeed, the truth of incarnation should cause us to trust in this holy God. To trust and put our faith in His Son. Because that is the testimony. In Him, He is true God. And in Him, there is eternal life. The truth of incarnation should cause us to trust God. And therefore, let me summarize the truth of incarnation. After knowing what it is, and knowing what is not, and knowing the heretical views on it, the truth of incarnation, my dear friend, should bring us to the heart of our faith. It should teach us humility. It should lead us to empathy. It should bring us to adoration to God. It should remind us of our redemption. And it should cause us to trust God. That is the heart of our faith. This is the heart of our faith. And in fact, if incarnation is at the heart of our faith, the truth of incarnation brings us to the very heart of the gospel. Why do I say that? Incarnation leads us to that very well because it's the very heart of God. The Lord in His splendor and majesty, power and glory has left the throne and was found in the flesh. The Word of God became flesh. And this Word lived a life and suffered a death that He does not deserve. This God who protected the nature of the flesh took that flesh and suffered a death that He did not deserve. And what's the purpose? Why did He take that incarnation? What's the purpose? So that He may give, give you His life for the glory of God the Father. This God who took on that flesh, this God who took that very flesh, the, the very flesh that he, he took, was bruised, was stabbed, was pierced. Could you imagine that? I am taking a flesh so that this flesh that God take will only be bruised, will only be stabbed, will only be pierced. Why? To exchange your unrighteousness to the righteousness of God. This very Lord, the Lord of heavens, the Son of God, came to earth, was mocked, beaten, so that He could exchange your shame, bitterness, of your sins for His forgiveness. This God who ought to punish you took the punishment for Himself. This is what the incarnation of God brought us. 
And therefore, I say, it should bring us humility, empathy, adoration, remind us of our redemption. It should bring us to trust God. Could you imagine? The very flesh that He took was offered as a sacrifice for you and for me. If you will not embrace the truth about incarnation, my dear friends, I don't think you will ever understand the love of God in your life. Imagine taking this flesh so that all this flesh, this very flesh, will be a way of sacrifice. And you know, this same flesh was glorified. This flesh became a glorified body and that same flesh now becomes an assurance to all of us. Where he had been, we will also be. As Jesus has been glorified, we will also be glorified. That incarnation, that flesh that he took, became glorified body, and we have that assurance too. If we embrace incarnation, it brings us to the very heart of the gospel. And I'll end here. You know, the incarnation of God, I've said, is a wonderful, glorious mystery, an earth-shattering truth. And I hope you understand now why I say it's an earth-shattering truth. Why would God leave his throne for you? Why would he humble himself for you? Why would he allow himself to be beaten, to be mocked, to be stripped naked for you? Why would he? Why would he? Why would God do that? And the answer is very clear. For God so loved the world. That love. He partook that nature. He partook and went this incarnation, this truth about incarnation, so that he could bring glory to his Father and to manifest his unfathomable love for you and me. Earth-shattering truth. Glorious. And I hope ito rin sa mga kasama natin sa FB, friends, or YouTube. And this is what Christmas is all about. The incarnation of God. And Jesus wants us to put our faith and trust in Him. To believe that this God paid for your sin. He took that flesh and gave Himself for you. Jesus is inviting you today to surrender your life to God. To believe in this truly man, truly God, who gave himself for you. So I'm inviting you today, as Jesus is inviting you, to surrender your life to God. Don't tell God, hindi mo naintindihan, Lord, ang mga pinagdaanan ko. Lord, makasalanan ako. Lord, hindi mo naintindihan na masakit yung nangyari sa akin. Don't say that. Jesus understands that. He's truly man. He's truly God. And so, there's an invitation. Do you really want to confess that Jesus died for your sin? Do you really truly believe that he has partaken that, that human nature so that he could offer his life for you and me? Do you believe that? That is the invitation. And Jesus wanted you to surrender your life to him. To open your heart. To tell, Lord, I believe. 
I believe in this glorious love of yours. I believe, Lord Jesus, that you died for my sin, that you took this flesh so that you could offer and that you could show this great love that you have sent your Son, O God, for my sins. So open your life to God and say, Lord Jesus, I believe you. I believe you came to the world to save me, to understand me, to exchange my bitter and shameful sins to your glory. So that all of those pains that you have experienced, I will experience joy and peace in you. Do you believe that, my dear friends? And that is the invitation of life. Jesus came to the world to give us life. And Jesus said this, the very flesh I took, I took it to offer for you. And Jesus is inviting us today to surrender our lives to him. And if this is the first time you've heard this, my dear friends, and those people who are probably watching us on YouTube or Facebook, perhaps you say, yeah, I know this incarnation, I've just heard this, but I didn't understand that this is how glorious it is, that Jesus Christ died for my sins, and that he's offering a life for me. I want that. I want to surrender my life to God. Jesus says, come to me, come to me. All of you who are in labor and in pain and those who are weary, tired, lonely, weary souls, come to me and I will give you rest. Surrender your life to God. Tama na mga kapatid. Surrender it to God. Give it to Him. He partook that nature so that in every respect, He will understand us. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that you have led us to this truth of your incarnation. And Lord, today I pray that you will lead your people. And Lord, if there's anyone today, Father, who realized that, yes, Lord, I wanted to surrender my life to you, I understand now that you've exchanged your, uh, my, you're exchanging your, your life for me and that my shame and my bitter sins for your forgiveness and you took the punishment for me and you sacrificed Lord God and you've taken your life for us. And I understand, I believe that. I wanted to surrender my life to you. Lord, lead these people. And Father, I pray that they will open their hearts to you, accept you as their Lord and Savior. And Lord, may this truth of incarnation bring them to this wonderful and glorious truth that you love them. And so, Father, today I pray that as I will be leading these people to open their hearts to you, be with them. If you are a friend of ours who are listening today and you wanted to surrender your life to Jesus, I want you to follow this prayer of surrender, of acceptance, of confessing your faith 
to Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I come to you sinful, broken. Lord, I come to you believing what I've heard that you died on the cross for my sins. You, Lord Jesus, the Word of God, became flesh so that you will dwell amongst us and that you have given your life for us and for me. And you promise, Lord, that if we believe in your name, you will make us your children. And so, Father, I surrender my life to you. I confess my sin, open my heart, and ask you to be the Lord of my life, to be my Savior. Father, today, I want you to lead my life. I want you to be with me. I want you, Lord, to take the wheel. Thank you, Lord. All this we ask. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. My dear brothers and sisters, let us receive God's benediction. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. With this, may the peace and love of Christ be with us in the name of our triune, holy God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. My dear friends, my dear brothers and sisters, if you have prayed that prayer today, we want to hear from you. And if you're interested, contact us. We want to journey uh, this faith journey with you. So let us know and we will be happy and more than glad to be of service to you and share you more about Jesus Christ. So thank you, my dear brothers and sisters who joined us today. See you this Friday, December 25th on our Christmas service and again on Sunday, December 27th. And of course, as we always say, be a blessing to one another and let's keep loving God and loving people. Thank you and we'll see you again next week.